0: Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. We have several things to discuss today. By the time you hear this, the election will be over. So, well, well, the voting voting will will be over, over, but we will not know possibly about the election. So my present self is very anxious to know what my future self is going to know Uh, at this time next week. We're recording on Sunday, the 1st of November.
1: Right. I'm feeling strangely hopeful about the election because it occurred to me today that the Democrats have a secret weapon that is fail-proof. And that that? secret weapon is Donald Trump himself. (laughs) Because he fails in the end. That's his pattern is to fuck up at the end.
0: Yes, that's that's true. That's what he did
1: with his hotels and with everything. The only thing
0: he was successful at was The Apprentice and becoming president.
1: But we've given him time now, the four years he needed to go through his process of self-destructing. We'll we'll see. We'll see if my words are prophetic or, sadly, off the mark.
0: As I said last week, I'm hoping for the best and preparing for the worst, Right. although I won't be prepared, but I'm visualizing what will happen if the worst does come to pass. That's yeah. what I'm doing. We also have a Glenn Kirshner, what what would you call it? Glenn um, Kirshner's plan?
1: Yeah, a project that he says he's going to put together that's going to be interesting. Yeah.
0: And let us know again who Glenn Kirshner is.
1: Oh, Glenn Kirshner is a former federal prosecutor who has morphed into kind of a a TV commentator. He's been on Rachel Maddow, but his focus is legal stuff. He's launching a project to help us unpack the packing that Mitch McConnell has done over the last four years.
0: Oh, excellent. I can't wait to hear about that. And speaking of hacking, you had a little hacking.
1: I have done my first successful hack through the internet, yes.
0: Something I did was I watched What the Constitution Means to Me on Amazon Prime. And I wanted to also discuss a storyteller named Stephen Tobolowski, whose podcast I've been listening to over the years. And lastly, but not leastly, I'm having a hip replacement. And I guess I'll just jump into that since I haven't talked to you about that, really. Not too much. Was I limping when I saw you? No, I don't
1: think you, I don't recall you limping, but I remember you making reference to a need for hip replacement. But my sense was that it was further in the future instead of coming up so soon.
0: My situation is I have an aggressive form of arthritis that fortunately only affects my larger joints. It's called pseudogout and it's a dumb name, but it means that instead of uric acid crystals that would form in one's big toe, it's actually calcium crystals that for whatever reason decide to lodge in my joints. It happened to my knees and then it happened to my hip and it wears away the cartilage. Wow. I went to see my surgeon, which took two months, two months. He is the head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai His name is Mm. Dr. Robert Clapper. From the month or so when I got the first x-rays taken, then I went to see him and he took another set of x-rays. He said that it had deteriorated since then, that there was no cushioning at all. It was just bone on bone. This was great news for me. I was thrilled that there was a solution for it because if there hadn't been a a solution that I would have just been walking around with a crutch for the rest of my life, which is what, people did before there were hip replacement surgeries. Right. And it's a very elegant mechanism. He showed it to me. It's ceramic and titanium and it's very colorful and it looks Mm -hmm. like a piece of temporary art. And I'm going to have that on December 4th. The girls are going to come out and take care of me. and So it's all good. How do they describe
1: the recovery from it?
0: Not as long as my knees. And now because the replacement mechanism is so small, the incision is not as traumatic oh, as it was and that so, was probably a
1: big part of the healing process was just yeah God, yeah. it's amazing the advances that are happening
0: it is amazing but you know what it's because we're baby boomers and this happened to us and the demand was there and yeah. so the technology followed the demand right i mean you're lucky you haven't had any like knock wood, nothing to speak of what should we hear about first glenn kirschner or your hacking experience
1: i don't know i'll tell you about my hacking I love Nordic noir crime series, and I kept reading and reading online about how good the Danish original version of The Killing was. It started in 2007. It's been around for a long time. Oh, really? I've been trying for years to watch this thing. And boy, they have blocked off every road you could possibly take. The only really feasible way to do it was to purchase through the UK Amazon. You could purchase the DVD set. But the DVD set was wildly and still is wildly expensive. But now I have a VPN, a virtual private network. Yes, you do. So when you have a VPN, it creates a false server ID number for you so that nobody on the internet can track who you are. All of your surfing is private. So when you log into your VPN and it creates this false ID for you, it asks you where in the world you want to log in. I could log into, say, Iceland. And I found this obscure website in Iceland. It was this kind of rickety site with all these ads for like things in the Philippines. But it, <laughs> it had a link on it saying all three seasons to the Danish version of The Killing, which is called Forbredelsen in Danish. I thought maybe I can download it. So I went back into this site, which is called W-L-E-X-T I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at it now. It says W-Lexed International TV Shows, Telenovelas, and Movies. Just binge it. I found the show, and I found the button to hit to download it, and sure enough, it came up. And I last night, I watched episode one, season one, of the Danish version of the killing. Wow. And it, it's really good, but it would have been good no matter what, because I was just, yeah. I felt like such a victory.
0: Is it fair to say that you were a man possessed?
1: The way I put it is I have discovered ways to put OCD to good use.
0: <laughs> and this was a good use of your OCD? If you can't
1: beat it, use it.
0: Uh, Did it live up to your expectations?
1: It is very good. There's like four stories going on at the same time. It's perfect Nordic noir. You can tell that they use this to base almost all the others on. It's always like in a town where it's big like Copenhagen, but everybody knows each other. So there's all these weird Uh interactions that you discover Uh as it goes along. And it starts with an unexplained murder and on we go. But it's three seasons and the seasons are long. There's 20 episodes in season one. Yeah, so I've been watching this for a long time.
0: Well, I guess we'll be discussing it on Boomerangs for a while.
1: I did finish up the vow, though, last week.
0: And what did you think? I thought it was
1: wonderful. I just loved how unlikely it seemed that they would be able to nail this guy because of the the money he had behind him and the veneer of respectability that he had around him.
0: The Dalai Lama. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know that he got 120 years in jail. I did. That just happened last week, right? Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do for season two. Maybe it'll be the trial. I want to see what happens to Nancy. Which one is Nancy? Nancy, I forget yeah. her last name. Her yeah. his sidekick. He was scarier than he was. And I think that she pleaded guilty because oh, okay. everybody around them pleaded guilty. She took a plea. Yeah. Okay. Claire Bronfman got, it was either six or eight years right. in prison. Saltzman, and, was that her name? That sounds and right. And her daughter,
1: Lauren, was also yes. in it.
0: To me, the nightmare of all nightmares is to be found out that you are part of a nefarious sex cult, and then realize that your daughter was involved in it and was also going to prison, which I assume she is because she yeah. was such a big player in that. Alison loved- Mack is going to prison also. Oh, yeah.
1: There was a line near the end when Mark, one of the kind of heroes... Of the, yeah. of the breakaway group, they were feeling bad about themselves. Like we joined a cult. We shouldn't have joined a cult. And he said very emphatically, no one joins a cult. We recognized the good in it and we wanted to be attached to that good and to learn from it yeah. and to express it in our lives. And I don't know if he's entirely right. I think no one consciously joins a cult. But I've joined enough groups that are similar to this, from EST to the Scientology improv group I was in, to this other weird acting school I used to go to in New York that was all run by EST trainers. And nothing as nefarious as in this show happened, but there was that sense of, we know something, we have a technology that if Um, you learn it, it will take care of all your insecurities, all of your tendencies toward failure. These groups they they find people who have that need that little chink yeah oh. of like something's wrong with me but if I were only to fix
0: it yeah I could have a wonderful life I agree with Mark in that if you knew it was a cult you wouldn't join. That's right. It may be called a cult afterwards. It certainly was called a cult. Yeah, were accused of of being a cult Mm -hmm. and the people who were in it denied it.
1: And I know from my religious background that I was in a religious cult for a large part of my life and didn't identify it as such because I believed the dogma of the cult, which was, this is good. This is all very good.
0: They have a particular viewpoint that they ask you to buy into that is singular to that group.
1: Yes. And you feel morally superior by doing so.
0: Yes. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. There's another documentary on Nexium. It's either on Stars or on Showtime. I don't have either, so I can't watch mm-hmm, it, but mm-hmm. maybe it'll end I'll up. I'll on- hack in. I'll hack oh, in for you. Oh, please do. And I'll get a VPN and we'll be <laughs> so special. I wanted to talk about what the Constitution means to me. I realized that I can't talk a lot about it because I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just do the setup. It's by Heidi Schreck. It's essentially a one-woman show. She has two people who assist her, but they're such minor players. She really carries the whole show herself. Mm -hmm. She's a woman of a certain age, and she used to give speeches. And she said debates. She explains it in the Mm -hmm. process of telling her story. But she would defend the Constitution. And as her life unfolded, she realized that the Constitution, something she venerated, was not the document that she thought it was. Ah. For instance, woman is never mentioned in the Constitution. Oh, right. So there are gaps in this document that allow for a lot of horrors to befall a lot of people.
1: It'd be interesting to see how the 19th Amendment is worded because wasn't that women's suffrage. Yes. And it'll be fun to take a look at that online and see how how they managed to do that without using the word woman.
0: And only white women were allowed to vote when the 19th Amendment was passed. Oh, right. No minority women could vote. That's right. Black women couldn't vote until the Voting Rights Act of the Civil Rights Movement. Wow. I want to recommend it because it's very emotional. Mm -hmm. It's very intellectual in its own way. Right, And I was glad that I saw it again, because when I watched the stage version on Broadway, I got caught up in trying to delve into the actual language of the amendments. And that got me into a rabbit hole. And I I missed a lot of the emotion. So you know how that goes. I do. I'm I'm, I'm on
1: tangents most of the day.
0: (laughs) I'm not normally, but this one did kind of take me off course. And it's really meaningful. And I'm dying to
1: see it. I love the whole idea of it. I love right. stuff that takes something that you could consider dry or that doesn't really relate to you and find out that there's life in it and, yes. and passion yes. and interest and juice. You know? Oh, this
0: is right up your alley then. Yeah. And it yeah. also has history, which I know yeah. you love.
1: Oh, I do like that. So, don't like no. studying it, but I, I like hearing about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this will just be hearing. No studying is... <laughs> no test at the end. did pass out little books of the Constitution as, oh, the, that's um, cute. as a play. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, no, i
1: had always heard good things about that play from you and, and others. And I'm so glad that they put it on film.
0: And they must have filmed it before COVID because there was a whole live audience. Oh, I guess so. It's coming to LA whenever plays come back to LA. I know it's okay. scheduled to come here, but not with her. I think it's probably worth it to see her performance. Very cool.
1: i look yeah. forward to that.
0: Am I keeping you up here? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: It's daylight savings going away. It's just throwing my body clock off. Oh, I know. It's
0: terrible. I hate it. I wish (laughs) we would not do it.
1: I was dreading it last night because I thought I was going to lose an hour,
0: but I gained one. And yet I'm
1: still exhausted.
0: Any kind of change is, I think, our bodies don't like it.
1: I bet, yeah. And I bet it's tied to light because it it got dark at four today instead of five. So my body doesn't know. My body thinks it's my bedtime. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Well, I'll talk fast in that case. No worries. No worries. Why don't you talk about Glenn Kirshner?
1: Oh, well, Glenn Kirshner is a former federal prosecutor in the D.C. district. I don't know if that's called the first district or which one, but the federal courts there. And he was a U.S. attorney and he would try cases. He would prosecute mostly because he represented the government. So he's very experienced with how the judicial process works. And he's very horrified By what's happened to the courts over the past four years due to Mitch McConnell.
0: Horrified by the quality of people that have been... Partly
1: by the quality and by the ideology and lack of diversity on many levels, Yeah, but mostly the ideology and the fact that some of them are simply unqualified as they've been labeled unqualified by the ABA. So he wants to undo some of that damage after the new president and Congress take charge, assuming that that goes in a positive way. He has a daily YouTube video. They're 10 minutes long and they're always entertaining and informative about something that's happening in the government that's despicable. But he, he's a great guy <laughs> and he does a weekly podcast called Justice Matters where he okay. goes into more depth on some of these issues. I really recommend him. He, I think he's just great if you're into politics slash legal issues. A week ago, he announced that he's going to put together with, he's partnering with someone on this, and I can't remember who that is. But-
0: by any chance? Who's that? Creek Barrara. Maybe. He was the- New York, right? Yes, exactly. He he was Southern District? Yeah, I think so. It could be, but he's going to put together, it sounds like something from
1: Green Acres. (laughs) It's called a a Citizen's Brigade of (laughs) Judicial Observation, something like that. Citizen's Brigade just sounds like Fireman's Brigade. It sounds sounds funny to me. It does. But he's going to give a, a training class. He's going to train regular citizens like you and me on how to go to federal trials and how to sit in the courtroom and observe what the judges do, because he said a lot of what the judges do and say never gets transcribed and written into the official record. And he thinks if some attention is brought to some of these unqualified judges, or these ones that are acting unjustly because of their ideology, if it becomes public, they'll have to get rid of those judges. And so he's forming this big nationwide organization of little people that have the time and the training that he'll give to go and sit in the court during the trials because he says the great vast majority of all these cases unless it's a big headline case they don't see the light of day they don't get reported out and there's no record of judicial misconduct so he's forming a citizen's brigade so that we can observe these judges i don't know if here in la any of those particular unqualified judges have been seated I don't know what parts of the country they're in, but I thought it was great. He's also a big fan of unpacking the court by increasing the number of judges. And he said it's remarkably easy to do. doesn't require an amendment or anything like that. It
0: Get doesn't. A, what it's does it require? 50, just a vote. 51
1: senators is all That's it requires. That's what I
0: thought. And we should do it. I'm
1: totally behind it.
0: Someone was talking about that the idea was radical. When it first got discussed, when yes. Amy Tony Barrett was first pinpointed as the next Ruth right. Bader Ginsburg, is right. is, I'm sure, rolling over in her grave, the point that was made was that it's no longer a radical idea. People have embraced the idea as right. something that is right. just and fine and should be done.
1: Yeah, my view is Mitch McConnell broke the Senate and he broke the court. And so it's not only okay... It's incumbent if we seat a new government that they undo the damage. That's how I'm framing it.
0: Franklin Delano Roosevelt wanted to, I think, get the number up to 13. Going That's the number Alabama. a lot of people
1: are talking about
0: still. Um, something I heard, though, was that John Roberts probably doesn't want that to happen. And mm-hmm. that he may really counsel Amy Coney Barrett to not be as radically conservative and as much of an originalist and what's called a textualist as, as she wants to be. As she wants to be. And mm-hmm. someone also observed that what you do and say in a classroom is very different than what you would necessarily do as a judge on a bench. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, she said that herself. I in one part of her hearings, I heard where she said, you know, as an academic, it's part of your job to critique and. And to be more critical of a law as a sitting judge when you have precedent and all these different things that bear on you that don't they don't weigh down a college professor right and so you have to be more circumspect and she sounded very convincing but I just don't trust her at all
0: oh I don't trust her as far as I could throw her but the piece of that puzzle John Robert oh, that right. interests me that interests yeah. me
1: He's already tried to do that some. The only thing he won't do that on, I've noticed, he has the same contempt for democracy that the other three conservatives have. And that so he hasn't wielded his power of moderation in cases that have to do with voting rights. Voting rights and really unfortunate.
0: And Citizens United as well.
1: And so, financing, yeah. He's financing. used it in healthcare and and women's, I think also you know, women's in women's rights. reproductive rights. Yeah. It, it,
0: although the last time there was a caveat that was sort of like, bring this back to us. It's just the same as, it, as one that was mm-hmm. adjudicated that came from Texas. So there was sort of a sidebar saying, we can't look at this because we already just ruled on it, even though we have one different or two different judges mm-hmm. on the court. So it was left open. In other yeah. So one just,
1: thing I'm feeling very hopeful about in a long-term sense of hopeful is one thing this election has made clear that we knew it anyway, but it's so blatant. The Republicans know that the only way they can possibly control the government is to suppress voting. That's yes. the only option they have. That's right. If, if we have open and fair and open access to elections, they cannot win and they know it.
0: Well, they Trump
1: wouldn't be doing well. all this shit. He yeah, that's right. Out he said, we'll never have a Republican again.
0: That's right. And if we, ha- if we have open voting.
1: And I'm feeling hopeful that over time, organized, party-driven, government-endorsed suppression of democracy will lessen.
0: I think that one of the things that happened during Obama's era was that we got complacent. I did, because mm-hmm. I thought we're in a post-racial America. Right. And I got very sloppy right. and didn't really pay attention. I wasn't mm-hmm. even listening to Stephanie Miller at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's how checked out I was. Yeah. And now I feel that I'm going to have to because I'm retired and I have the time, I'm my activism will have to remain. And mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to belong to an organization that has come up and become an organized activist enterprise mm-hmm. with many many different pods in it mm-hmm. for different things homeless they're and not branding
1: and- you are they <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell the no, truth I, um, <laughs> i'm it's going to take me a minute to get over that that was very funny Sorry. democracy is fragile and we can't let it just exist right. out in the ether anyway I did want to mention before we go, I've been listening to podcasts by a storyteller. Sort of unusual for me to listen to just a storyteller. I'm usually more attracted to topical podcasts that are political or cultural. But Stephen Tobolowski, with whom you have shared a storytelling stage in Malibu. We
1: did a show together in
0: Malibu. And I was there. I saw him. Yes. He is pretty masterful. He tells stories a lot of his childhood in Texas. Mm -hmm. Being Jewish, his family was unusual in Texas, Mm -hmm. but he had a very kind of idyllic childhood. And he was also involved in college with the playwright Beth Henley. Oh, wow. Who wrote Miss Firecracker and Crimes of the Heart. Right. He's just a very compelling speaker and someone who, well, like you, can really be captivating, and I just want to recommend his podcast. It's called The Tobolowski Files, and it's spelled T-O-B-O-V-O-L, Whatever it is, it's all O's <laughs> and a Y. It's all O's and a Y and a bunch of consonants in Tobolowsky? the middle. Tobolowsky.
1: Okay, yes. so it's probably T O B O L O V S K Y, something like
0: that. Yes, I believe Kobolowski. that's it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for rescuing me <laughs> <laughs> from my inability to spell in my head or on oh, paper. Okay? Anyway, well, I think we've covered all of our topics again.
1: I guess so, right and, on time.
0: Uh, and our audience is going to be ahead of us because they're going to know who. That's is
1: right. That's right. This will be like a time capsule. Think of this it episode will. as a one week time capsule. Yes. Into a time that we don't even want to go back and think about, which was <laughs> the great uncertainty and anxiety we were feeling about the November third election.
0: Well, we should say goodbye, and we'll uh, we'll be talking at you in a week.
1: We're still praying, but you guys, I hope, are celebrating at the time you hear this.
0: Yes. Okay. Hang <sighs> in, boomers. Okay, boomers. On we go. We'll Talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>